Hello. Welcome to episode 5 of The Hate Crime Files, a podcast about crimes typically involving violence motivated by prejudice based on race, religion, sexual orientation, or other grounds. I'm your host, Terrence Heath. This podcast covers disturbing events and may not be suitable for everyone. It is not recommended for young children. Listener discretion is advised. Before getting into the case for this episode, I wanted to share some news. I'm happy to say that this still very new podcast has already surpassed 100 downloads. I just want to say thank you to everyone who has listened, subscribed, and or shared this podcast with others. I really appreciate the support. I started this podcast because I believe that, especially in the current climate, these are important stories to document and tell. It's gratifying to know that the podcast is already finding an audience. I also really appreciate those who've taken the time to review the podcast and gave it a five-star review. I wanted to start sharing some of those reviews on the podcast. The first one is actually from a dear friend of mine, Shauna Clark. She writes, beautifully written, clear, and Terrence Heath's voice is a joy to listen to. Subscribing and looking forward to more. Thank you, Shauna. If you like the podcast and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I'll make sure to read your review on the podcast. I also want to start giving shout-outs to other podcasts with related subject matter. If you like this podcast, I'd like to recommend another new podcast called Trans Panic, hosted by Travis Ferguson and Feathers Wise. Trans Panic is a true crime podcast chronicling the lives and deaths of transgender murder victims in America. Their most recent episode covers the suspicious death of a trans woman named T.T. Gully in Portland, Oregon. Gully's death was quickly ruled a suicide, but evidence suggests there may be more to her death than officials are willing to investigate. They're on Podbean, the same hosting service as this podcast. Give them a listen. That's Trans Panic on Podbean. Now, let's get into our case for this episode. It was late on a Saturday night in the small town of Waverly, Ohio, on October 4th, 2004. It was not going to be a good night for 39-year-old Daniel Fetty. He was already dealing with a handicap. Fetty was hearing impaired and used a hearing aid, which would perhaps factor into the events of that night when he would become the victim of the first homicide in 40 years in the town of just 4,500 just 60 miles south of Columbus. Fetty had lived in Texas before moving to Waverly. Alicia Purdy, his roommate in Texas, 
described him as, quote, not just any gay man. He was a brother, a son, a grandson, and a beloved friend. Purdy said Fetty had family in Waverly, but they were not close. Dana was a proud man, she said, and did not want to mooch off family members. Fetty had recently become homeless when a fire destroyed the apartment building where he was living. He was living out of his car at the time and had just gotten a job making salads and washing dishes at Emmett House, a local bar and restaurant. He'd been working there for two months and was saving up money to get a new apartment. Gretchen Black, a supervisor at the restaurant who worked with Fetty in the kitchen, said he didn't do anything wrong to anybody. He was just very pleasant to be around. But Emmett House has felt his loss. On this night, Fetty went to the Canal Pub where he would encounter 28-year-old Martin Baxter and 22-year-old Matthew Furman. An argument ensued when Furman accused Fetty of stealing a pack of cigarettes he'd left on the table with money in the cellophane wrapper. Once outside the bar, Furman was friendlier to Fetty and even offered to sell him some marijuana. He led Fetty across the street to a parking lot behind a building. There, in the parking lot, Furman hit Fetty over the head with a beer bottle. Furman later said that 19-year-old James Trent hit Fetty in the head with a stick after he fell to the ground. Trent said that he was walking by when Baxter called to him and showed him Fetty, nude and unconscious, in a garbage bin. Baxter jumped up and down on Fetty while Furman poked him with a stick. Police were summoned to the scene at about 1 a.m. to investigate a fight. Officer Terry South arrived on the scene and saw Baxter, Furman, and Trent running behind a building. South then discovered Fetty beaten and stripped naked in a garbage bin. He'd been hit with bottles, bricks, and wooden boards. Fetty's car was found near the dumpster. He had just been paid a week's worth of wages, which were missing, leading police to call the incident a robbery initially. Fetty was taken to Pike Community Hospital. He was then flown to Grant Medical Center in Columbus, where he died around 1 p.m. the following day. Within hours of being called, the police arrested Baxter, Furman, and Trent. They were arraigned on Monday, October 4th, and bond was set at $1 million each. At times, the men reportedly broke down and cried during their arraignment. On December 6, 2004, Trent was convicted of voluntary manslaughter. He negotiated a plea deal with prosecutors in exchange for testifying against Baxter and Furman and received a sentence of seven years in prison for his role in Fetty's death. 
On October 8, 2004, Prosecutor Rob Junk presented new evidence to a special session of the grand jury which resulted in the addition of hate crime charges to the aggravated murder charges against Furman and Baxter. Junk said the fact that Fetty had been stripped naked and the severity of the beating led his office to consider all possible motivations, though Ohio did not have a hate crimes law that included sexual orientation. Baxter, who said he'd been drinking and doing cocaine that night, claimed that the attack on Fetty had been carried out by Trent and Furman over the missing pack of cigarettes and not because of his sexual orientation. Gloria McCauley, executive director of the Buckeye Region Anti-Violence Organization in Columbus, had known Fetty and was concerned that the severity of the beating indicated a hate crime. That, to me, is what causes flags to be raised, she said. In a robbery, you don't usually have that kind of overkill. We certainly want to know what other motivations there were other than robbery. On December 10th, Furman and Baxter were charged with capital murder and were indicted on charges of aggravated murder, aggravated robbery, and tampering with evidence. The new charges meant that both men were eligible for the death penalty. Both pleaded not guilty, and their trials were set to begin on December 13th but were postponed until December 27th so that public defenders certified in death penalty cases could be brought on to, to defend them. Baxter pleaded guilty to aggravated murder on September 23, 2005 and received a sentence of life imprisonment with eligibility for parole in 20 years. When Fetty's mother, Juanita Meeks, spoke at his hearing and asked if her son had begged for his life, Baxter laughed. On November 3, 2005, Furman accepted a plea agreement. He pleaded guilty to aggravated murder and tampering with evidence and received sentences of 15 years for the murder charge and three years for the tampering charge, making him eligible for release in 18 years. Furman's plea meant that his trial, scheduled for January 9, 2005, would not take place, and a detailed account of Fetty's murder would not be heard in court. Though plea agreements would prevent the details of the attack from being revealed in court, when Meeks spoke at Baxter's hearing, she catalogued her son's injuries. You put out both his eyes, broke his nose, knocked out his teeth, broke his Adam's apple, broke his neck, broke all but one of his ribs, and punctured his heart and lungs, she said. Fetty's Texas roommate Elisa Purdy said he was a gentle man, 
and I'm sure that it did not require three men armed with the boards and bricks to simply overtake him and steal his cash, nor could he have instigated such a vicious attack. The Hate Crime Files is researched, written, produced, and hosted by Terence Heath. That's me. Thanks for listening. And to all my listeners and subscribers, thanks again for the support. I'll be back with another episode on the 15th of the month. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support it, please subscribe and tell your friends about it and consider leaving a positive review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, be careful out there and be good to each other.